Hey everybody and welcome to the Survivalist Prepper Show. This is episode 70 and this week we've got Chris on from thebugoutbagguide.com. They just finished their tusk and that's spelled T-U-U-S-K bug out bag. It's an urban bug out bag. Uh, pretty good interview. He set up a link that everybody can, that everybody that listens to the show can go and check out all the information that we talk about. You can either find that link, he'll mention it in the show or you could just go to the show notes at survivalistprepper.net and hit podcast in the menu, and this will be episode 70. Uh, you can also find us, like I just said, at survivalistprepper.net or the membership area, which we have wholesale prices, survival courses, access to access to the books that Lisa and I are writing or have written. Uh, lots of cool stuff if you want to go check that out. And we also have the shop.com where we have the bug out bag first aid kits and the patches and all of that stuff that uh, that we sell as well. Uh, but with that, let's go ahead and get into the show this week talking with Chris about urban bug out bags and, you know, just urban, the urban lifestyle altogether and this bug out bag that they put together, him and the guys at Ready to Go Survival. All right, so this week we have Chris back on with us, and a few weeks ago, maybe it was a, a couple months ago, actually, towards the end of, right before September, I believe, we had uh, Chris on, and we were talking about bugging out in urban settings and and what you should have in your bug out bags and all of that stuff. Really good podcast. I believe that was about four or five ago, so if you want to check that out. But he runs the website, thebugoutbagguide.com. And this week, last time we talked, he was talking about getting this urban bug out bag that they were they were putting together and now it's ready. So Chris and I are going to talk about that a little bit and a little bit about just, you know, how to test your own gear and stuff like that that you could do uh, for yourself. So first, I guess we'll have Chris introduce himself, let everybody know your website, what you're all about, what you're doing to help everybody. And and then we'll kind of get into some stuff after that. Uh, okay, uh, Dale, thank you again very much for having me on the show. Um, it's an honor to be on here, not once but twice. Yeah. Um, what you uh, mentioned earlier was uh, basically a, a public case study that I did partnering up with the team at Ready to Go Survival, uh, making an urban uh, bug out bag, an urban survival kit. Uh, basically, we took our experiences um, of living in uh, urban environments, basically our, uh, all of our collective lives, uh, we put our heads together, um, thought of some gear to put in uh, an urban bug out bag, got together, tested it, um, and we documented everything along the way. I put it on my website. Um, so basically anybody um, who's interested in learning how to make a bug out bag, you know, the process of, um, you know, what are the problems I want to solve? What gear do I want? How do I test the gear? Um, how to make you know, the most useful bag possible. Um, they could just follow along and make their bag along with us if they wanted to. Yeah. And I guess before we get into all of this, why don't you kind of go out what or, or go over what these guys at Ready ready to Go Survival, kind of go over your, your guys's intentions or why you wanted to do this and, and explain what they do and the whole process that went on with this. What what was it that got you guys to say, hey, we need to let, let's create the coolest urban bug out bag we can. 
Um, okay, uh, so the guys over at uh, Ready to Go Survival, the founders, they're named uh, Roman and Fabian. Um, they're lifelong New York City residents, um, and you know, lifelong um, like as long as you can um, hunters and outdoorsmen. Um, they've being lifelong residents, they've lived through things like you know, blackouts, 9/11, obviously, Hurricane Sandy, um, countless snowstorms and terrorist threats and things like that. Um, and they've been preppers basically their entire adult lives, just living in New York City. Um, and we got talking earlier this year, um, just, you know, just, hi, I'm, I'm Chris, hi, I'm Roman, um, and just, you know, just struck up a relationship talking about survival and preparedness and what they do and what I do. And, um, you know, we hit it off, so we decided to try and do a project together and, you know, given our experiences, um, you know, I lived in New York City for about seven years and prior to that I lived in suburbia and I live in suburbia again now. Um, and then being lifelong city dwellers, um, we decided to make an urban bag. So, yeah, using that experience, as I said, we, you know, we, they're, what they do at Ready to Go Survival is they're custom bug out bag makers, essentially. They do have a few, um, kits that they, that they, the stock kits that they make, um, but they'll basically work with anybody who wants to make a bug out bag for their own, um, you know, their own lifestyle or their own wherever they live, um, and they'll make it as suitable as possible for them. Yeah. And these aren't just the, you know, you see on some of these websites where you get the, your fully complete bug out bag for, for $150 or whatever. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of thought that goes into these, right? Yeah. I mean, as you, you surely know, survival gear is one of those things where you, you tend to get what you pay for. I mean, there are deals yeah. to be had out there. Um, but typically like good gear that's not going to fall apart on you and that's going to actually do what you want it to. It's, you can't get like a fully made bug out bag for $99. It's going to just fall apart. It's going to have garbage in there. Yeah. Um, so their stuff is not the cheapest in the world, but that was actually one of the reasons why, not that it was expensive, but the fact that they, they focus on quality, practical gear is one of the reasons why I wanted to, to work with them on the project. Um, yeah. So that is definitely a focus for them. Yeah. And if you think about it, I mean, I, I'm just sitting here thinking about my bag right now and something that I put together that fits my individual needs. And I guarantee you just in, in three or four of the tools that I have, I'm over a hundred bucks right there. And then you think about some of the water filtration stuff and all the little stuff that, that kind of gets added to it over time, the, you know, three different lighters, the little kits and all that stuff. So it's, it's pretty difficult. It's especially for somebody just getting into this, you know, to, to expect to get that deal. It's just not realistic. <laughs> you can get yeah. that deal if you know what you're looking for and you can, maybe you can get on eBay and find something cheap or used or something, but you've got to, you really got to know what you're looking for. So, yeah, well, the other thing is that's extremely time-consuming. Like yeah. to find, you know, if, if you want to find a deal on every single thing you're going to get and you have, you know, 30, 40, 50 items in your bag, it's going to be just extremely time-consuming to, to get all that stuff, which is one of the reasons why, you know, there are those bug-out bag makers out there. Yeah. People just don't want to deal with the hassle or they don't have the time or they don't have the knowledge to, to get everything that they need that's quality. So they turn to people like ready to go or Amazon or, or whatever to, to, you know, use their experience to get something that's actually going to work for them. Yeah. And just one more real quick thing on these guys is, is say somebody is, is just getting into prepping and they want to get one of these pre-made bags. They've got the money to do this. Well, can they to contact these guys and actually get one kind of customized to their needs? Um, absolutely. I mean, they, really? they, that's like they have um, they have stock bags, and what I mean is they have like you know pre pre made bags that are kind of general. Um, they have you the know, essentials, they have bags or whatever. Yeah, they have the essentials, and and they're they're great bags. Um, but they will also they make custom bag bags. Like you can email them and say, hey, I want a I want a custom bag that's you know for me, and they'll work with you on you know 
what are your threats? What are your needs? You know, how, you know, are you a big, strong guy? Are you a slight woman? You know, you can carry more or less gear. And they, that's what, that's like the, you know, their bread and butter that they work with people to make custom bags that, you know, are perfectly suited for them. Cool. And then as far as this bag, it's the Tusk bag, right? T-U-U-S-K? Yep. Yeah. It's an acronym for the Ultimate Urban Survival Kit. So that's that's what we decided to name the project. Um, we obviously had very high goals. And um, yeah, so we, we call it Tusk for short. Cool. And kind of like along those same lines, is this something that, and I kind of know the answer to this, but I want you to answer <laughs> this, but is this something that would be somebody that just got into prepping, just ready to go and they can kind of, you know, just put it in their closet and they've, they've got this bag and they're, they're good to go? Yeah, so one of the things that one of the early things we did in the project was we basically set the scope for it. Um, so instead of you know if you, if you don't try to like set the ground rules of what you're trying to make, you can end up having everything in the kitchen sink in there and it weighs 100 pounds. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we we set it up to to basically accomplish five goals. The first one was to be a ready to go solution for an urban dweller uh, to be able to just grab it and, and get out the door. Um, I mean, because in, in an urban survival like we were, you know, they were based out of New York City, and they know that if something happens, if you're not out out of the city in like an hour or two hours at most, there's just no chance. Like everyone's going to be clogging the exits, public transport may be shut down, the bridges may be shut down. Um, so that was something we really focused on. Being yeah, just then a you, you begin to realize how many people are actually in your neighborhood when crap like that starts to happen. Yeah, I mean, if it happens on a weekday, like, you know, how many extra million people are there just commuters yeah. from work? Forget about just the people that actually live there. Yeah, just the lights, but, uh, just the street lights going out could create just complete chaos. Yeah, I mean, and that that actually, I mean, if, if we have a second, I can tell you like exactly what happened to me. That if we go back to 2003, when I was like first on my own, living living in the big city, uh-huh. there was a, a massive blackout. I don't know if you remember, there was a massive blackout in the summer of 2003 that affected most of the east, eastern seaboard. Um, vaguely, and v- vaguely. Well, yeah. I, I remember it well because I was stranded at work. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It took me like a whole day to get home, essentially. Um, and when I got home, all the street lights were out. I mean, the pictures from there, the, from that time, are absolutely amazing. Just New York City, Stuck Island, completely pitch black. Um, but I was, you know, a young buck out living on my own for the first time. Um, and you know, I'm stranded at work. Um, the cell phone towers are down. The few that are working on backup power are totally clogged. I can't coordinate with anybody. I get home, and the meager food in my apartment is thawing and rotting in my refrigerator. Um, and for me, it was a real, I mean, it was a real wake up call that like, I'm totally unprepared to deal with any of this. And that kind of started my, my own yeah. journey towards preparedness of making my first plan and trying to find, you know, my first bug out bag, a trial and error. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many things that you just take for granted that that's it. When it's gone, it's gone. You don't even realize it. Yeah. But, um, so we kind of got off a little bit. I, I kind of led us off a little track there, but <laughs> you went over the, the first, um, yeah. idea you guys had, right. And what was yeah. So continue so, on there, I suppose. Sorry about that. So we had, we had five goals to, when we were making the bag. One uh, was to be a ready-to-go solution. Um, the second was to protect somebody from the physical and environmental hazards in an urban disaster. So if you look at like pictures after 9-11 or Sandy, there's broken glass everywhere. There's concrete dust in the air. There's rebar and, and you know jagged concrete all around. So to protect somebody physically. Um, two was to be able to breach doors and windows to aid um, escape or search and rescue or scavenging. Um, three was to make it a self-sufficient 72-hour kit um, so somebody can not worry about their food, their water um, for that time period while they're, while they're making their way to safety. And um, lastly was to pack it with enough gear to uh, be able to survive that but also have enough room so that a person could tailor and add whatever they needed um, to make it truly customizable for themselves. 
Yeah. So, so basically it is, it is pretty good for, for somebody who's just getting into it, wants to get a bug out bag with all the essentials, but just like everything else, you've got to kind of tailor it to your own needs because a lot of people, you know, you might be dead, dead in the middle of an urban area. You might be a little bit on the outskirts. You know, most, most cities are basically set up the same where you've got the inner structure, which are the skyscrapers and the towers and the work and all of that. And then surrounding that, you've got the industrial area with the the warehouses and all that. And then past that, you've got the the houses, maybe the older neighborhoods. And then they, you know, as they go out, they get newer and then they turn into suburbs and all of that. So everybody's going to kind of have a different situation. But an urban setting is completely different. That's what I think is so cool about this bag, because an urban setting, even if it's in one of those first three layers, is completely different to say where I live right now. And it's semi, semi rural, but, um, completely different. So you mentioned the, the, I, well, you didn't mention it, but I am one of the things in the bag is that's really kind of interests me is the Ontario SPAX tool. And you mentioned about being able to scavenge and getting out of, you know, if, if the building does collapse or you're in a situation like that, kind of explain the thought process that went, went behind like that. And some of the other stuff, why did you, why did you choose that tool? And we'll, we'll make sure and leave links to all this too. You're going to set up a special page. Um, but I think that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And I guess you could explain that special page if you want to, but I don't want to throw too much on your plate. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay, so um, one of the things we did as part of the case study was um, we basically tested everything that we could out of out of the bag. Um, so um, I traveled to New York City. Um, I met with the guys at Ready to Go Survival. We went to their warehouse. We we there were three of us. We each packed a bag that we we thought would be what we needed. And we went to um, an abandoned uh, abandoned factory called Five Points. Um, so it's an abandoned factory in Queens. Um, with it's just like basically it looks like the apocalypse has already happened there. Um, where that's where you shot the video too, right? Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and we the video of us testing stuff. Um, and good it's like video a, too, by the way, sorry, that, that, that'll be on the page that you mentioned. Um, cool. but, um, we, we tested all, all the gear, uh, that was essentially feasible to test, including, um, a couple of, of pry tools and, and entry tools. And, and the one that ended up winning the testing was the Ontario SPAX tool, um, which is, it's essentially like a modern axe tomahawk kind of combination. Um, and, um, it's, it's designs for, um, search and rescue or breaching more than like combat or something like that, that many modern tomahawks are for. Um, it's very hefty. It has like a, a spike on the back for piercing metal or glass or wood. Um, when we actually did the testing on, on location at five points, we did things like we, uh, pried open doors. We were able to, um, to enter windows, um, we were able to chop wood through drywall, through metal. We were able to actually break cinder blocks with it. Um, so it's a really hefty tool that you would be able to, you know, if you needed to get somebody out of a building or you needed to, you know, there was debris in your way, you would be able to, to get through it. Or if you were trying to scavenge, you would be able to open doors, open containers um, to get food or whatever. And one thing that really, really makes it unique that I haven't seen anywhere else in any, any of these other like modern axes is it has a cutout in the head. It's actually a wrench adapter for either um, gas mains. So if there's like a gas leak because of a, whatever an earthquake in your in your environment, you can turn off the gas. And there, and it's also uh, for fire hydrants. So something that we did was we found a fire hydrant and we actually turned on a fire hydrant with the axe, which is in the video. Um, so I mean, think about imagine trying to scavenge water in yeah. an urban environment. Like 
how many fire hydrants are there in, in any city? And if you find one, you know, and you don't have the equipment, what do you, I mean, you have to scavenge for something to figure out how to get the damn thing open. I mean, yeah, I, I could probably be pretty resourceful in that situation and find something, but it'd be a hell of a lot easier to just just have something there with you. It's a, a pretty cool tool. That's something that that interests me a lot. What is what does one of those go for just regularly? Is that 60, 70 bucks? Yeah, it'd be probably 60, 80 bucks, depending on where you got it. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, I mean, the, as soon as you put it in your hand, you can tell it's a well-made tool. I mean, like I said, we batch all that stuff with it and it's still at a usable edge at the end. Yeah. And it just looks insanely useful. I mean, one of those tools that you never know what exactly you'd need it for, but you know that it's going to be, it's cool to have. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, shoot, you could do a lot of stuff. You could, you know, dig a, I don't know, dig a hole for water or something. I don't know. I'm thinking herb or rural, but there's just, it just looks like a damn cool tool. So, um, along with the other parts of this too, we'll kind of get off that, but with, with Ebola and everything, that's kind of on everybody's mind, this, this, these biological threats and all of that stuff. And in a situation, you know, it, it, it would be, it's kind of tough to kind of, kind of hype, hypothesize about what a situation like that would be, whether it would be something that just hit us all of a sudden, or if it was something that we, you know, we had to get out. But even in like you were talking about 9-11, as far as these biological things or these things that can affect us, how did you guys address that aspect of it? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, um, the, the environmental protection was a big piece of it, um, just from the, those guys' experience of actually like living through some, some of the more recent, especially Sandy, more recent um, problems that they've had in New York City. Um, so we have in there protection gear that would be directly applicable to an Ebola situation. Um, I mean, Ebola, if we just look at Ebola for a second, it's spread through bodily fluids. Um, so you're talking about like blood, um, tears, mucus, things like that, um, that may either, you know, drip onto a surface or somebody may sneeze on you or bleed on you or whatever. Um, so we have gear in there. We have UVX goggles to protect your eyes. We have, um, surgical masks in there to protect your, um, you know, your nose and mouth from spray. We have earplugs, um, and gloves, um, all of which would, would, uh, protect you from, you know, blood or, um, mucus or anything like that in an, in an Ebola pandemic sort of situation. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of something that we don't think about is the fact that this, this could be, you know, somebody coughing or something and, and hacking something up on something outside and we just touch it and then say we rub our eyes or something. I mean, it, it, it's it's good that it's not airborne, but the fact yeah. that that I mean it, it, we could get it and we could get it when and not even know that we're touching something and all of a sudden we have it and then you know it, it something like that could spread. It could be something I think would be more dangerous than something airborne like the common cold or or something like that 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 could affect people before it even gets to the point where it is on the news now where two people get affected and it's all over the place. But mm. something like the common cold, something that's airborne could affect an entire town or city in, in hours before it even gets to that point. So um, I think that's important to have in, in something like that when you're talking about getting out a ASAP. Um, and then also the, let's go over the bag itself. And then I want to talk a little bit about a couple of the different tools in there, but as far as the bag itself, what went into picking the bag? Because I think we all 
when we're thinking about getting our bug out bags, I have my Maxpedition bag that I really like. It's small. Uh, it's it's only got one strap, which sometimes is it's cool, but it's not. It's sometimes I wish I had two, but but I love the bag. So what was what kind of went into why you chose the bag? What kind of bag is it, and all that stuff? Okay, so we looked at a couple of bags when we were uh, trying to go through the process of what we needed, um, and we ultimately ended up going with a Rothko medium transport pack. Um, it's uh, it's a very compact bag. It cinches down really tight. It's comfortable to wear. I mean, we were um, you know in in five points in the abandoned uh, factory. We we're climbing over things, climbing through windows, um, crawling around, running, climbing up um, up up not lot like shelving units and things like that to get up on the roof. So we were really trying to like run it around and smash it against things to see if it would like start fraying or if it would bounce around or the stuff would get messed up. Um, and as far as like quality wise, it performed very well. Um, it's a, it's a, it's not as pricey as say a max Expedition bag. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, something like if you wanted the greatest bag ever, um, a max Expedition or like a five, five eleven or five dot one one, I don't know how you pronounce it, but, um, those are like really the top of the line bags, but this was a real, really good quality for a good price. So yeah. to your point earlier about like trying to make a bag, trying to make a, a, a bug out bag without breaking the bank, it was a good, um, it was a good compromise to make. Um, it, it, uh, has four compartments, so it's easy to organize your gear. You know, if you can imagine the nightmare of like having one of those old army duffel bags, yeah. throwing everything in it. And then like, you know, it's dark and you need to find your fire starting kit and it's in the middle of this jumble. Um, like the, the, the medium transport pack is really easy to organize all your gear in and with the compartments and the organization options. That's actually um, why I went to a kind of a smaller pack and people might think that, oh, you can't fit as much stuff in there, but the bigger packs, either you overpack it or the stuff you pack in there, it just kind of goes to the bottom and then it's, then it's bottom heavy or yeah, bottom heavy. And then you're carrying it, it, the, the weight's not distributed. So yeah, there's a lot to be said for something that actually fits your, your body frame and, and the profile. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we just found it, it, it suited us really well. Um, and you know, it's, it's expandable. It, it goes from like, uh, I don't know the measurements, but it goes from pretty compact to pretty big. If you need to pack a lot of extra stuff in there, it's hydration bladder ready. Um, and we were, and, uh, we ended up with the final load out of the bag. Um, it, the kit itself weighed, uh, 16, 16.2 pounds. Um, and there's ample room in there to pack things, you know, for customize customization, like, um, you know, a couple sets of clothes, whatever documents you want, hygiene items, if you want a self-defense item in there, like you know, like a handgun or pepper spray or slingshot or whatever, um, there's we were able to to pack all the all the gear we thought we needed plus whatever personal gear we we thought that we could use. Um, so overall, the 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 pack that we chose was it was a really good price for good quality. Um, it was a good size, that good customization options, and um, and we were able to just it's really adjustable, so you're able to cinch it tight to your body. Cool, and and you mentioned it's Camelback ready, right? And you you guys included yeah. one of those in this. Yep, that's right. There's a Camelback as as a part of the kit, because um, I mean, from all the hiking I've done and things like that, it's just it's. There's also a water bottle. There's a metal water bottle in case you need to boil water or anything like that. Yeah, container. Um, yeah. But, but the um, the the Camelback is just it's such an awesome invention. Like, it puts the weight of the water at the center of your back, um, so you're not off balance. It carries an enormous amount of, of fluids for you, and it's just convenient to use. You know, you can use it. What you don't need to stop to use it. You can just pull the hose out and use it. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's an awesome tool. And then also some water purification tablets, and uh, and you've also got some some ration bars in there, right? Some a little bit of food. Yep. So yeah, it's it's not like a meal fit for a king. Yeah. Um, but, but there's yeah, <laughs> it's there's calories. There, like, 
it's calories. It's um, Coast Guard approved ration packs um, that they'll keep you going. I mean, and they actually taste reasonably good as well. Um, but yeah, there's Chlorflock um, tablets in there for purifying water, and then additionally, there's um, the rations in there to just just keep you moving, so you don't have to worry about that in the first, you know, critical hours of uh, trying to make your escape. Yeah, gotcha. And then as far as shelter goes, you've you've got a, a tube tent and stuff in there. In you know, some people, including me, tend to think that in a if you're going to be in an urban setting and need to find a place to shelter, depending on what's going on, the odds are you can probably find something. But that's not to say that might be your best choice either, because if you say you find an abandoned warehouse or something, we've all seen the shows where they <laughs> they they go into this warehouse and um, you know all the yeah somebody comes in and what are you doing in my warehouse? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well. Um... That, I mean, that was something we definitely felt. We were, we were testing out. We have there's a flashlight in there, and we were walking around this like pitch black warehouse, just making sure that like it projected enough light, and you're able to see whatever. Uh-huh. But it, and it, it definitely had a little bit of that feeling in the back of our heads. Um, but yeah, the, there, there's a tube tent in there and a poncho and an emergency blanket. And um, I, I agree. I mean, I think most resourceful people would be able to find um, shelter or make shelter out of scavenged building materials. But it's kind of in there again, just so um, if you can't. Um, if it's not safe or whatever, or you, you end up getting out of the city faster than, than you thought, yeah, it just takes exactly. that problem away. Like it just, it just sorts that problem out for you. Yeah. And you it's never, not that heavy. Yeah. It's, it's compact. So it, yeah. Yeah. You never know what, when, or you might need it. And also you never know what some of those supplies, you know, like the cordage or the, you know, the, the poncho, what they'll be useful for that, that has nothing to do with shelter. So. Really yeah, just, it's that multi multi use stuff helps keep any bug out bag down, um, and and yeah, exactly the, the poncho, paracord, duct tape, stuff like that. Like it just has so many uses that, and it's very lightweight. Like why not throw it in your bag? Gotcha, cool. Um, and I was going to go into tools, but as I, I'm scrolling down your page right here, so I'm just kind of looking at everything and bringing it up. <laughs> so um, the first aid kit, you've you kind of got the basic first aid kit right in here, right? With uh, everything you might need, you know, that's not going to not going to be any sutures or anything like that. You're not going to be able to sew yourself up, um, but it, it will uh, do do what's necessary. And, and and I think a lot of people want to think they ha- need to have this big and bag first aid kit. But the fact is, if you've got injuries that are that bad, um, you might have bigger issues than than trying to get out in the first <laughs> place. So, um, um- yeah, you're right. And also, if you buy a big first aid kit that has like sutures or a stable gun or something like that, like, do you know how to yeah. suture up? Can, can <laughs> like, you do it? Can you do it without causing more problems it? than yeah. than at first? I mean, yeah. I don't want somebody um, sewing on me if they don't know what they're doing. Hey, man, I got this. <laughs> yeah, certainly if you know how to do it, you. I mean, if you know how to do, it, you probably already have one. But yeah, we have a I basic keep, first aid kit in there. I keep thinking um, of Sandra Bullock in that movie where she stabs the pen in the dude's neck and. The EMT comes out. I can't remember what the movie is, but the EMT comes up and says, you're dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, kind of got off track there. Um, yeah, with the first aid kit, definitely important to have. But it's it's also important to have that skill, too, and, and know what you're doing uh, if you're going to have the bigger and better stuff in there. Um, now, as far as tools, um, I am... I I think all of us guys are kind of into the tool stuff, but you've got a multi-tool in there or a couple, it looks like, uh, some batteries and then the flashlight, right? Yep. And even a, yep. a, a kind of a knife 
spoon thing. <laughs> yeah, there, there's the eating tool in there just because you, we would assume. First of all, it's extremely lightweight, and we and, there, and there's a can opener on it, um, as there is also in the multi tool. But multi tool again, it has so many uses. Like yeah. it should be in pretty much every every bug out bag. Um, it's even a, with me in my everyday carry. I mean, I, it, it's a great everyday carry item. Like yeah. you, you probably, I mean, it's kind of thing like you might find a way to, to whatever, solve whatever problem it is if you don't have it. But if you have it, it's just instantly solved. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or if you um, don't yeah, have it, you wish you did because you got a use for it. Yeah, we have a red line flashlight in there um, that when we were testing it, we were walking around this, again, pitch black um, factory. Um, just, you know, one of us would go ahead. We could see if we could spot him with a flashlight, kind of like, you know, look on the ground for, you know, dangers and things like that. So, you know, we did go through the factory testing out the flashlight. Um, there are batteries in there way more than you're going to need for this kit. Um, but we thought that would be a really good barter item, um, for, you know, after, after the disaster kind of resolved itself, um, that they're just small and compact that if you need to barter for something else, want to throw in a couple extra batteries in there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, and if you think about, I, I, I listened to Jack Spirico's podcast a while ago and he was talking to Selko from SHTF school and he was talking about, you know, the barter items aren't these big things or they aren't the bullets and everything. Barter items are like lighters and batteries and stuff like that, stuff that people use a lot and can't get their hands on. And, and it's something that will always be useful. So um, stuff like that, I think, is, is really important to think about. If you're going to be in a situation where you need to barter, one, I wouldn't want to be giving any bullets to anybody <laughs> because I don't I, I don't know if they're coming back in my direction uh, without the casing on them. <laughs> and then uh, but but yeah, you, there might be things you need. Say you run out of food, say you need a little bit of water and you have some extra batteries, that small stuff that you can fit in uh, that doesn't take up a lot of room, but not necessarily need. But, you, you know, you never know when you might need it. Yeah, we actually, uh, th to your exact point, we, we included um, two lighters in the fire starting portion of the bag just for that exact thing. Like, first of all, two lighters are going to last you like for months if, yeah. if you need to survive. But um, also they're great for barter. Um, and there's some um, some UCO uh, stormproof matches in there that we were testing them. We lit it. I blew on it literally as hard as I could. I poured water on it and it was still lit. So, um, you know, we, we, we have two lighters and the matches in there, which is probably a bit overkill for, uh, for a fire starting kit for a basic bag. But, um, that we just looked at them as barter items as well, just, you know, yeah, to get what exactly. you actually need beyond that. Well, and then you can also tailor it, uh, once you get it, I I'm sitting here thinking what I would do, not, not as somebody just getting into it, but I, I mean, tailor the zippers and the poles and all of that stuff. I mean, you can, there's so much that you can do with them. Um, but I guess I've I've tried to kind of think about a lot of this stuff, but explain for people that want more about this, because I really don't think I've done it justice. You you guys did a really good video. It's actually pretty professional, too. I watched it and I was like, hey, this is I'm kind of jealous. I want to do a video like this. I don't know if you guys had a, a you know, somebody actually a, a nice camera and a production crew or is it, did you guys do that yourselves? Um, so we had, um, like, uh, literally a model lined up to be there with us for shooting some of this stuff, but oh, that yeah? naturally, naturally fell through. So there's not going to be a pretty model on the video, sorry. <laughs> but, um, it's just us, uh, average looking guys, I guess. Um, if I think optimistically about it, hey, it um, I mean, it was edited well. It was, I, it was, I thought it was, it was, good. It was, that was actually Roman at ready to go survival. He did an awesome job. Um, we did have a good camera for it, but, um, he did an awesome job editing it. Cool. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, we did. We ended up. Sh- so while we were doing the testing of all the gear um, on location, we did uh, photograph a lot of it, and we um, shot us um, video of you know opening up doors and and, and breaking cinder blocks and. And, and lighting the matches and trying out the radio and doing all these things um, to show people just the testing that we did um, to just, you know, the, again, the idea was it was a public case study. We want people to look at it and say, hey, I can make my own bag better. I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. How, you know, how do I assess my threats and, and figure out gear and test the gear? So that, that, that video was just a part of that. Yeah. And before we before we get into where everybody can find all this stuff to out, um, I, I wanted to mention that even with that video, because it, it was really well done and it showed you guys doing all that stuff, it it can give everybody ideas about how to kind of test their own gear. And, and I don't mean going out and buying, you know, a few water straws or whatever and testing them and, because then they're basically trash. Because if you just put it back in your bag and it sits there for a couple of years, it's just going to you know, it's, I would rather have something that is brand new, never been used, know how it works. But, but as far as some of the tools and stuff, I mean, it's a good idea to get out there and test all of this stuff that, that we have, because we never know when we're going to use it. And, and learning on the fly is probably not the best way to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You don't want the first time that you try like starting a fire in the wilderness to be when you're starving, you know, when you've just been running all day and you need to just get warm or dry or whatever. Like you need to have your skills or know how to use your tools yeah. before you need, you need them. Yeah. And then you're just getting frustrated and pissed off and then you go to bed hungry and cold. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So where can, before we get out of here, where can everybody or anybody who wants more information about this, uh, where can they go to find that? Okay. So I'm going to set up um, a page on my site uh, just for uh, listeners of this podcast um, and about this project. Um, it's going to be www.thebugoutbagguide.com slash SP uh, for survivalist prepper uh, dash T-U-U-S-K, excuse me. So that's uh, bugoutbagguide.com slash SP dash T-U-U-S-K. Um, and that's going to have the video on it. That's going to have links to all the articles that I wrote about the project, about the process for decision making, about the testing, about there's some urban survival tips. There's um, how to customize the bag uh, for for you know my own needs. Um, so that's just so your your listeners can come and um, and basically get all the resources and see the case study for themselves all in one place. Yeah, and you've written um, quite a bit about exactly what went into it and and all of that stuff. So there's, I mean, it, you you basically answer just about every question there is. And if people if if they don't have the answer, I'm sure they can they can get a hold of you, right? Yeah, absolutely. They can email me. Yeah. Cool. And I'll make sure I, I'll make sure I leave a link to, to that page. That way they can either go directly there or they can go to survivalsprepper.net and just hit podcast in the top menu. And then this will be episode number 70. Um, but it, it's a really cool bag, uh, you know, and it kind of gives you, gives, gives you some ideas about what you, what you might want to put in your bug out bag. I'm not the type of person that's really, you know, into these pre-made bags, but I think this is different. I think this is, if you're going to go that route, you might as well um, get something that's going to be worth it. And if you're going to go the cheap route, then that's, you know, that's what you're going to get. I guess, I guess something's better than nothing, but in the long run, you know, I, I think it, it makes sense to get the stuff that, that, you know, if you haven't, if you don't get an opportunity to use it in a year and a half, two years or whatever, it's still going to be good. You know, it's, it's going to be, or when you do have an opportunity to use it, say you get a, an ax or a, you know, maybe a little wire saw and you go to cut a branch and it snaps and then you're host. 
So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> going that route and getting the, you know, just, I guess, biting the bullet and getting that quality stuff and knowing it's quality. Okay. And I was, I was going to ask earlier and I kind of spaced this out, but your, your guys' intentions for this bag, you guys kind of were kind of making it for yourselves. Right. And then you guys got a lot, quite a bit of positive feedback from people. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so you're right. We started the project off basically as just a, a collaboration between me and the guys that are ready to go survival. Um, just a cool project we wanted to work on. We made it a public case study. So anyone who wanted to make their own bag could follow along. Um, but there was a lot of positive feedback from the community just saying, oh, you know, this is really cool. Thank you for doing this. And, you know, it really shows me how to test stuff. And people were also asking where they can get their own bag. Um, so as a part of that, I was able to convince the team at Ready to Go Survival to add this to you know their their goods that they sell, um, and uh, that's something that they're doing now. So they've been able to source. Um, so if you can imagine, we made this bag just like you know we've one of everything. Now people are asking if they could have their own. Um, so they've been able to ramp up their logistics to uh, source the items, and uh, we are offering it through the Bug Out Bag Guide as well as Ready to Go Survival, um, and. Cool something that we had like a special deal for readers of the bug out bag guide that we would give them a free life straw if they decided to uh, pick up a tusk of their own and i actually want to extend that offer to listeners of the survivalist prepper podcast if that's all right with you dale yeah very cool that would be very cool i've got one of those i've got a sawyer too but i i, I like both of them uh i'm kind of partial to my sawyer but shoot um, a life straw i mean that's one of the one of the the best things you can get out there on the market. So yeah, I think that would be very cool. And well, you'll have that link on the, on the page as well, that the page you mentioned earlier. Yep. So if you want just general information about the project or learn how to make uh, you know, a better bug out bag for yourself, um, you can go to the page and we'll also have that offer on there um, to uh, readers of the podcast, <coughs> excuse me, to listeners of the podcast. Um, so you can just click through, find out the information you want, or um, you know, figure out if you want to get a tusk for yourself. Yeah. Very cool. And, uh, you know, what, what are the odds we can get you on sometime in the future and just talk about, you know, I, I think a lot of people like this, this urban bugging out stuff. And I think, you know, you, you've got more experience with that, especially working with these guys than I do. Cause I live out here in the boonies and, um, you know, I grew up in kind of the city, but you know, it's, it's just been so long and there's a lot of things that, that judge my, or that form my opinions because I live out here when I talk about neighbors and stuff like that. I'm I'm thinking about my neighborhood when everybody else that's listening is probably going, dude, I don't know what you're talking about, but I got 15 people <laughs> that live on my block. <laughs> so I, I'd love to have you on in the future. I mean, that'd be great. Get something to talk about and uh, ask, ask the uh, Apocalypse Facebook group and see what they want to talk about. But I'd love to have you back on. Uh, I'd be honored to. Um, yeah, I mean, you have a great site, and I absolutely love the Apocalypse group. It's a really good community. People share all kinds of useful stuff on there. Yeah, it's, it's been cool. a lot of stuff. Race Lana Bola. Um, I mean, there was one guy, one thing that really made me think it was such a good community, there, there was one guy that shared something about his son that had gotten um, a scholarship through the Dirty Jobs guy. And I just thought, like, it has absolutely nothing to do with survival, but the guy, you know, respects and loves the community so much that he's sharing his personal aspects like that. Yeah, um, and everybody kind of gets into it and says congratulations and all that, too. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I love this community. It's just like a little family, and then we can we can talk about stuff, and we can go tinfoil hat, and then people will tell us <laughs> why we're crazy, but everybody respects each other. It's really cool. So, All right, man. Well, we're going to get out of here. I appreciate you being on this week. Thanks, Dale.